The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. I'm Sharon Kleiner. The Power of Water, Earth's Human Mission, and Your Health. You've been listening for a long time and reading and issues of challenges for Millions of years, thousands of years, hundreds of years, and now decades. Water is a crisis and an issue, but it can be solved, and it can, it's an obstacle to be solved. You know, our guests have made this show the most exciting international, worldwide show because they all believe that with our message to you as a listener and to le- teach ourselves, we're learning from each other. Uh, on the show, that in this classroom, and as we learn what can be done, and uh, and information that we never had heard of before, I want you to realize something. Why water is so important? For some reason, the planet Earth has the water. Now, isn't that interesting? We're out exploring and spending billions and billions of dollars looking for other planets in the universe to see if they have water. So far, we're the only planet with water. Now, isn't that a fascination? That is just absolutely unreal. In the universe, we have the water, but we also, because of water, have life. Now, remember, there's something to think about. And on the show, I'm going to teach you a new description that we always forget in research, and we need to really be learning more about each of us and research should be studying more about the word dehydration. The planet Earth must have water. It has aquifers beneath the soil in the caves I'll teach you down below in aquifers. There's water. Lots of water on the surface of the Earth but we're not having enough on the surface of that fresh water. Now, this is how important this is for you to think. Common sense. The moment you were born, you left a bag of water. You entered in the delivery room, and you became dry. No two eyes are alike. No two complexions of the skin alike. No two fingerprints alike. And more, uh, there's more about your body that is not alike. In other words, you are individually unique. And I would bet we could find the blade of grass has its unique, each blade. I bet we'll find that all over this planet, all the species, all the life depends upon water and moisture in the air. That water you can't see in the air has to be there for the organism of all life to live. Water is vital. Without it, there is no life. 
it would be endangered. It is endangered. People in India don't have enough water. People in Africa do not have enough water. Animals on the planet do not have enough water. And as we're learning in uh, modern countries that are very modern, and we have sanitation and we have water and we can turn on the faucet anywhere and turn it on, uh, water our lawns and, and water our fields and, and swim in it and, and uh, all the things you can imagine in your mind what you're doing with water in a modern world, but there are countries and places that don't have it at all. And what do you think has been causing wars in sand and the desert-type sand countries? There is not enough water. They became sand. They're a desert. What do you think is causing the frustration and the fear of losing their culture, their families, their generations? Is it possibly because there's not enough water? Is it, oh, it has never been discussed. Well, this is the only radio talk show worldwide, international, that discusses life-threatening water wars. We discuss the, the global water and health crisis. We discuss with interviews from research scientists to physicians and, and investigative reporters and people in positions of all executive walks of life who are studying the water who want to teach us in this on this show what we need to learn when we're learning let's reach out and pay it forward and leave a footprint to learn more because without the water there will be no eternity and that's going to be our human mission with this show to make sure the world is getting the message and the story is being told we are the news reporting and the education show we are the dehydration research center right here on this show to teach you that maybe your toe has a little itch because you're dehydrated there. Maybe you have an allergy because you're dehydrated. Your eyes are dry because the eyes at the surface are 99% water. What happens if there's dryness? Lack of water. The skin is 80 to 90% water. You must learn what it's, what, how to drink 8 to 10 glasses of water in a 24-hour period. Are, do we have a lot to learn? Do we have a lot to teach? Yes, we do. Today we have special guests, and they always excite me. Ron Duncan is from Santa Cruz, California. He has a BS degree in geology and a master's degree in hydrology. And we're going to discuss water, the special and essential, why it is so important to him and what he's been learning. Our second guest is Court Young. He's from Golden, Colorado author, publisher, and geologist. The topic will be our diminishing water and oil supplies. That's going to be a fun one because of the topics today, because of what's happening in the Gulf Coast and around the world. You've been hearing about the water problems in, in, uh, in Yemen. We were going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method to 100% natural to mist the eyes for replacing that lost moisture in the tear film at the surface of the eye. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Ron Duncan. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Ron, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining us today. I look forward to it. Okay, uh, we have a lot to learn, and uh, we look at this like a classroom to learn, and, and if I should interrupt you, it's because along the way I think oh, there's something there that I need to understand so the audience can get something that I need uh, to, to ask a question along the, well, along the way you'll be teaching us. First of all, I'd like to know, uh, and our, for our listeners worldwide, to hear about who you are. And Ron, how did you get for where you're at today, and why is it seem to be very important to you? Uh, good question. I I fell lo- in love with water uh, right when I stopped studying geology. I was on a lake, and at one point, um, it just came to me that you know this is what's the most important resource, uh, and uh, that I you know, or in the world and something that I wanted to pursue and help uh, preserve uh, for future generations. I like what you just said for future generations. Um, this is what this show is all about, Ron, and all of us that are involved in the topic of water is for generations to be for eternity. Okay, and then right. you found that you had a fascination with water as life, it sounds like, um, mm-hmm. And you had, I read something where you felt like, you said that uh, without water, there is no life at all. And right. uh, it's right. an indispensable, uh, uh, it's an indispensable organism of life. Uh, I want to tell you, I had um, a Nobel Prize winner on our show one time and from Switzerland, and he said it took him 20 years to prove to the world there's life in the molecule. Mm-hmm. Well, you mm-hmm. and I both know water, and he, right. uh, the world, and, and isn't it fascinating? It took twenty scientists many, many years. He did get the Nobel Prize, but isn't it interesting? We're not, we haven't been using common sense with what, where it comes time when it comes time for water, Ron. Right. No. It, 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 you know, I think we're we're all deceived. It, it's so common. It falls free from the sky. What else does that? And so we have a tendency to, um, I don't know if abuse is the right word, but take it for granted, certainly. Take it for um, granted, probably number one, because it's been there for, before life, uh, right. Homo sapiens or life was there. Um, now, tell us what you've been learning about. Uh, your favorite topic is, even though you were in geology, and it sounds like you were a mm-hmm. geologist, and you, that's mm-hmm. the world of rock and, and history itself. But then you decided you wanted to get a master's degree in hydrology, 
And what were you learning along the way that what makes this so essential? Uh, and, uh, and we'll look at the planet Earth today. And this is a planet right. Earth. And, and then I need to mention to you, too, that we're with Voice America World Talk Radio. We're with Green Talk Radio. We're with Apple iTunes and our new syndication, CBS Radio. And throughout the planet going with this message, try to remember the world is listening and that you okay. can make a difference, Ron, because you're trying to do that as you every day. But when did you find, what, what made you feel that life is so essential on Earth for water, what has to be done? What do you think some of the most important things that must be done to, that we have to specialize? We can't do everything at once. Right. Probably. Well, let, let me just start with saying that, you know, currently about 40% of the world lacks enough water for just basic sanitation needs. Uh, you know, toilet flushing, things to keep us healthy. And then by 2050, it's expected that about half the world will uh, experience chronic water shortage issues. So, uh, you know, back when I started studying water, you could you could see those kind of trends emerging. They, the numbers were lower then, but it, it had me concerned. And then also my main focus started out with aquifers. I started uh, reading about how different aquifers, aquifers are, are layers of earth that contain water, how they were being overpumped and dropping and going dry. I look at it as analogous to like the timber industry. There was a time where you could basically cut any tree down you wanted and it wasn't going to harm much because there weren't that many of us. Um, now we have, you know, sustainable harvest, timber harvesting plants and things like that. It's the same thing in water that we need to do now. We need to step up and to the plate and uh, try to preserve it, use less of it, conserve it, and that's kind of where my specialty lies now in water conservation, which, um, you know, is Have you been what my job is. You know, I, uh, no, I've been studying water for over 30 years, and, and I also had to study the planet to do that and back mm-hmm. in time. Um, you know, it's, let's go into the trees you mentioned. Way back in time when the earth had a lot of trees, and then we had scientists that were, let's say, in the government, and yet we have um, an economy that uh, that moves with certain things that and uh, life needs, and they would cut the tree and build a log cabin. And as time came, uh, as life built its blocks of living, all of a sudden here came lumber, not a log cabin. And I've often wondered, Ron, where, why didn't they work together as a team with, with the, the business of, of cutting the log and building those houses where the government would come in and they would say, let's plant trees. Everywhere there's a tree down, let's plant a tree. And, of course, who's gonna, uh, everybody would want that. Isn't it strange that the, they didn't, the scientists didn't think that way far back? And then yeah. I often wonder, okay, now we're finding with water. Why isn't right. it they didn't say, let's here, we take the water here, but we'll recycle it over here and get it back. Right. We, uh, when the rains come down, uh, let's think about how we can put, uh, have some of that rain come into a, uh, a location. And it's kind of like collecting rain with the rain barrel thinking. Right. Uh, and recycle. And then the other one, we've had show guests on here where they had 4,000 acres of um, uh, farmers that well, they only had four inches of rain a year, but they learned how to do it. Uh, Ron, they were recycling um, the soil. 
throughout the seasons. And I said, you know what I think you're doing? You're recycling the soil. And they said with the hay that they would put out into areas where all these cows were at, they'd pull, take that hay and recycle it into the soil. And you and I both know why they were recycling it, because it would draw moisture out of the air because of the heat from the hay and the soil, right? Right. Right. So there's ways to learn, and you're wanting to learn those ways of of the water not being um, endangered, but keep it recycled, and how do we keep putting it back in? We need people, more people like you. In fact, that would make an exciting new uh, uh, scientist and new students coming up and new uh, careers of more people getting into water studies because that's the number one more, most, prior, most important thing on earth is the water and what are we going to do with it and life with health, the health of the life of people. They have to have sanitation. Right, right. And, and I think there's a couple things. We could talk about the job industry in water. That's very exciting um, uh, if you want to go there for a moment. But Okay, let's go there. Yeah. Okay, well, there are there, on Apple iTunes. Who, you know how many kids are listening. Okay, well, I encourage anybody to, if they want to get into water, uh, please do it. There's three things that are kind of happening that coalesce coming together that make uh, water a great future for people. One is there's an aging workforce. Within the next five to ten years, over 50% of the current water industry workforce is anticipated to retire. And also the incoming uh, Generation X people, there, there are not as many of the generation, generation X people. There's 25% smaller population relative to the baby boomer. So you have a lot of people going out and not as many coming in. And then again, and then in itself, the water industry itself is growing. So uh, if, if... You're just telling if, us that there's more people leaving than, there's more than there are people that are in the occupation of the study and the business of what they're doing, but yet water is growing as a business all over the world. Right, right. Now, so those things coming together at the same time make it an excellent opportunity uh, for people looking to, to get into water. Um, I think one of the main disconnects with water is actually pricing. It, it's so absurdly cheap. Uh, it's not priced for the long term, the long haul. And... Uh, for various reasons, it's a, it's kind of a it's kind of a cross between a resource and also a commodity. Um, I was looking at a chart the other day that, um, and most people say, well, it's absolutely a resource; it's not a commodity. But oh, it is a commodity. I disagree. I'll I'll um, debate that one. Water is a commodity. Yeah, well, I think so too. And and we treat it like no, a, no, it, it is. a commodity. It is a commodity. You can see that because in there's a. The higher the water's price, the less that people less that people use it. In Germany, water's price relatively high. It has the lowest per capita consumption for water. And the United States and Canada is priced very low, and we have the highest use. So, I, what I like to say is that on an individual level, we don't look at it just as a commodity. Though we value it for what its true worth is. And and, that, and I think if we do that, it helps us. It'll help us um, uh, be open to conserving it. Let's come back. We have to listen to our sponsor, but we're going to come back, and you're going to teach us something what you've been learning with your studies on okay. the difference between. And we know it is a commodity, but there's other. Uh, the water has been taken for granted. 
Right. And we're going to come back and get this audience to understand in this classroom, don't ever take it for granted again. We're going to listen right. to our, we're going to be right back, Ron. Um, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the method of moisturizing your eyes if you've had a headache, if you have uh, blurry eyes, you're sitting at a computer, you have allergies, you need Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Ron, when we took our yeah. moment there, you and I were talking about water as a commodity, but also I was reading about some of your uh, with some of your writings and Without water, there's no energy, and uh, and that people forget that. And right. what is energy? For some reason, they're even confused about what energy means. That uh, people think about oil without uh, without oil, there'd be no uh, energy running around uh, to do what we need to do. And I I mentioned it on a show uh, recently uh, that if you pulled up to the gas pump. And Ron, and you're running to go to do something, and you needed some gas, and they said, "I'm sorry, the rationing is over today. You didn't get here in time." Mm-hmm. If you're getting to an airplane, and the airplane uh, announces, "Sorry, we cannot leave today, today because the rationing is over. Only so many planes could go." What do you think our cult, what people would do? What would they do if they had no water? Because that's the f- number one. Well, I, I don't. I think it was Ben Franklin or somebody says you learn the worth of water when a well runs dry. Um, <laughs> oh darn it! That's true. That is so true. Somebody. But the, that energy water connection—that's a great, uh, a great topic. And you know, they're like peanut butter and jelly. Um, water produces energy if you think of dams and and moving water and producing it takes a lot of energy. For example, um, in the United States, about five percent of the energy is dedicated to uh, producing and, and moving water around. And yet energy is, uh, uses more water than any other industry except agricultural to produce, that, uh, to produce the energy. So energy uses a lot of water, and, and water uses a lot of energy. So there's, there's this relationship there that... Um, and people forget bonding. that. And 
what have you been learning uh, that, you know, I'm a believer of all obstacles can be solved. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I have to tell you a funny one. I, I, at 3 o'clock in the morning last week, I was checking, Bill and I were checking into a hotel, one of our favorite hotel. We never stay in anyone but this one hotel. And they said, I'm sorry, but I'm so sorry, we overbooked. And, of course, I'm having a little fit at 3 o'clock in the morning trying to be polite. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Ron, I said, here I am at 3 o'clock in the morning. Our plane was late. We're standing in a hotel. The whole city was filled. And they had to put us up 40 minutes away. And I'm saying, to, real quickly, I am so sorry to the night clerk. I am so sorry that I've taken this out on you. My job is to solve obstacles, <laughs> Ron. Right. Okay, if I came, you'll get that hotel, you get the taxi. Can you make sure that if I get here at 9.30 in the morning when my meetings start, you have a room? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm laughing about my uh, description of solving obstacles. I've said this forever. They are to solve. Now, what would you do to solve? What are some of the things you would do that you've been learning to solve this water crisis obstacle? Well, great question. Let, well, you know, for, for the, the general public, most of us, uh, the things I would recommend, you know, I would start there. I mean, there's different layers, you know, and a government agency, you know, where I work, we certain things we need to do take more of a, st- a stewardship role and that sort of thing. I think there's a we, we're moving away from water development to water allocation, and we need to to look at the bigger picture. But on an individual level, there are things we can do, and I'll paint that picture real quickly if you like. I would, I would. Uh, and I, can you can I get you to think about something that I think about? Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of saying stewardship, can we say this is Earth's human mission? <laughs> right. Okay. So anyway, uh, your human mission is now teach us what you want to te- uh, want us to learn. Right, and, and let me just lay out a few things. That'd be great. Um, in at a typical home, about seventy percent of the water is used indoors, maybe thirty percent outdoors, maybe higher if you live in a dr- very dry place and have a big landscape. You might be fifty indoors, fifty percent of the water goes outdoors. So we'll start indoors. The the number one thing people can do, and I'm going to start with fixtures and then kind of move into the softer thing. But if you have a toilet that's bef- that's older than 1992, replace it with one of these new toilets, uh, a WaterSense EPA WaterSense approved toilet. Mm-hmm. Right there will lower your water consumption about fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can't go uh, wrong. It, it'll it'll pay for itself in the water savings over time. So now I'm going let's to get rid say of those something real quickly, the, uh, Ron. And you're going to kind of I hope you find my humor. I'm in the business of water, teaching water all the time, and I'm teaching people to drink ten glasses of water today. And Ron, people say, "Oh my gosh, Sharon." That means I have to go to the bathroom all the time. And then all of a sudden we're thinking conserving, flushing the toilet. <laughs> so I'm saying well, yeah, drink, ten, um, drink a lot of water, but get yourself a, a new generation <laughs> commode. Well, you know, and there's toilets out there to kind of address that, those dual flush toilets. So if, you're, if it's just urine, just pee, you, you know, you press the button that flushes much less water. You we're going to get to the true sanitation here, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's a simple one, and I and I I'm a subscriber to that eight uh, eight or ten cups per day. I was out on a lake yesterday, and I didn't drink as much water, and I can feel it. You know. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> don't you ever no. do that again? <laughs> I won't. Not after this show. You've got to go prepared, and that means uh, no matter what, you've got to have the water. Now, um, okay. Now move on beyond the modern. Um, uh, 
uh, sanitation, what do we do from there on? We start, oh, and that's something people have to think about. If they've gone to a restaurant or they've been in a place where they're behind, Leave a little note or send a note later that they, you know, to, to conserve water. They need to get the new generation of toilets available and methods available not to waste the water. It's even like the you put your hand under the water to wash your hands, and they're automatic, and they only stay on so long. Those right. are nice. Right. Those are nice, nice from a hygiene point of view and um, potentially water savings, too. Well, the second thing, and this is a real easy, cheap one, two things you can do in the bathroom. The bathroom is where most of your water use goes. Um, install one of the new uh, high-efficiency shower heads. They use less, uh, less water. A typical shower head uses about mm-hmm. three gallons per minute. Mm-hmm. These new shower heads use about two, so mm-hmm. a, uh, a third less water. And what they've mm-hmm. done, the technology's allowed them to, to inject air with it, so you feel like you're getting the same shower, it's just a third less water. Huh. So there's an injection of air coming through boys. there to push the water out with, uh, through a narrower spot with, um, where you get really more force. Right. And, yeah, the pressure and, and the air kind of fluffs it up, so it seems like you're getting a lot of water, but it's uh-huh. intermixed with some, uh, pressure. With some air okay. there. Okay. So that's a real easy thing, and people can um, change those out themselves. Okay. And. Another one you can do is just put on faucet aerators. Uh, your faucet puts out about two and a half gallons a minute. These mm-hmm. faucet aerators reduce them down to a gallon a minute, and they only cost about, you know, 50 cents a piece. So right there That's is a, um, a real easy way to go. And, and the last thing you can do inside, I mean, there's many things, but if you have an old clothes washing machine, get up one of those new front loaders. Take your time picking it out. But uh, not only will you save a lot of uh, water, but you also save energy. You know, you just gave me an idea, Ron. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could influence the world, our government, to give tax deductions to every single person who modernizes the efficiency of their bathroom and their washing machines? You know, there's a lot of uh, a a lot of that going on actually these days. I would I would suspect uh, uh, if. Uh, many people, if they contacted a local water agency, they might even find that there's rebates. And then there's get the rebate federal mm-hmm. level. What's that? Okay, get a rebate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rebates, right? A lot of lot of. Um, so actually, the companies uh, are doing it. The companies are yeah. A lot of companies are doing that, and there are some federal programs too that are starting to look at um, uh, providing some incentives for uh, mm-hmm. uh, saving water. And That'd energy. be a, f- a fun one to uh, Twitter. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. aren't probably not thinking that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's usually not a lot of money, but it's uh, it's uh, you know better than a, a hit in the arm or something. You know, it helps well, out. I a do like bit the tax and, incentive with a rebate from the government. That if you're if we could in, in, encourage uh, our uh, our government has a scientific side, and uh, if they would say that for every health need that you're, you know, and this conserving of our primary endangered life is the water, is that you would get a tax benefit or a rebate from the government too, not just from the corporations, but get a, a little something from the government to be able to encourage people to get on, to get, join this uh, footprint, get, become part of this. And, uh, you know, the other thing when you mentioned the washer and dryer Try to get people to not wash their clothes every time they wear them just because they wore them, you know, especially our teenagers, you know, or the the bath towel. A lot of people think I need a bath towel every bath. They could have assigned bath racks 
uh, hanging racks to where you hang, uh, and then you'd have less washing. Yeah, and you think yeah. about a towel. I mean, you're using it when you come out of the shower. I mean, how dirty is it? You know, it it's not because you just took a shower. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there are there are the problem the issues that much, water is so inexpensive that it's hard to I, I will call them mature adults, but our kids, the kids want to. Oh, they get a kick and they throw it down. And uh, rather than being assigned a rack or um, uh, wanting to take their clothes and throw them down, they're wrinkled, they're dirty. <laughs> yeah, right. But now, what else can we learn from you? Well, they, you know, as I said, about 30 to 50% of the water goes um, uh, uh, outdoors. So outdoors, uh, what, one of the big movements that's happening is people are starting to look at their landscape and go, you know, do I really need need that type of landscape. One of the big things is turf. If uh, we're, we're out here in California, there's a movement toward if it's not a functional turf, uh, meaning kids are playing on it or a park or something, you know, we're asking people to uh, say, consider changing out to, you know, whatever native plants are in that region. Uh, and not only changing your landscape potentially, but uh, chip, uh, going to a drip irrigation system versus a, a spray. And that will significantly um, reduce your water usage. Uh, I mentioned something to you, Ron, and I bet you can. Uh, have you ever been to Japan? I have not. Okay, I just got back from Japan, and I was at the top of this Hilton hotel, looking down uh, over all of these roofs in Tokyo, mm -hmm. and they have lawns mm -hmm. on many roofs. And Ron, you tell us and the audience. I know it might sound like common sense question, but why do you think there are so many lawns on roofs throughout Tokyo? Right. They're trying to uh, capture that water and prevent runoff, I would believe. Yeah. Uh, there's and a connection back, between... And put moisture back in the air. Moisture back in the air, a healthier mm -hmm. uh, environment, not have the heat re radiating back off the roof, the green roof approach. There we go. That make it more, uh, more energy conscious for the buildings below. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a and and storm water storm water runoffs a big issue. I mean, there are a lot of people who the the green roof is a is a movement, but also water catchment systems uh, mm -hmm. in the right areas where they catch the water, like in Australia, Florida, it's turning out to be a big thing. And not only does it help on the water resource end, but another big problem is the uh, storm water runoff. Mm -hmm. Our ocean and waterways, I think over. Read a statistic the other day, over 50% of them in the United States, 70% in China are considered heavily polluted. Oh, so yeah. If we yeah. can prevent this water from running down the streets, maybe catch it and use it or infiltrate it into our mm -hmm. uh, aquifers, we're in much better shape. We're out of time. I want to do this again. You've got a lot of information. This was really a good education today. I've well, always said, Ron, the guests are the most exciting people on this show. I just asked the question. Uh, is, uh, and you have your website is www.santacruzcentennial.com. Uh, uh, well, if, if, you, if you want to see some of the things I've written, the best way to do it is just type in Ron Duncan, water, go green. Just Google that. Oh, I like that uh, one. Yeah, I like Ron that Duncan, one better. water, okay. go green. And there's a, you know, RonDuncan.watergogreen.com. You have a nice day, and keep up that work, and uh, let's get some more people in the career of this. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you have you a nice day, and thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
didn't we learn something today? I sure did. We're going to go on to our next guest here in a moment. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing your eyes. Did you ever know that in school you didn't learn anything about your eyes? You learned to eat carrots. Don't sit close to the TV. Now I know you're sitting close to the, the, to the, inter, uh, the computer. But Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only method of moisturizing the eyes. At the surface of the eye is 99% natural water. Did you know that? Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, this is Sharon Kleina. Court Young, are you with us? I am. I know you want to be called, your name is Court Young. Uh, correct. Okay. I want to thank you for joining us and the Sharon Kleina Hour. And uh, you're an uh, author, publisher, geologist, and you're very interested in the diminishing water and oil supply problem and the crisis of that. And if I should uh, interrupt you once in a while, it's because I have some idea thinking uh, to bring uh, out what you might be saying. Uh, our audience worldwide is here as a classroom to learn from you today. Uh, you're like the professor here. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, Court Young. Um, um, what, how, why did you get fascinated to become uh, involved in, which, in the writing that you're doing? Well, when I got into college, I went into geology, primarily oil geology. But my goal in life, which fortunately was realized, was to work with my dad, who had been a pioneer in the development of private water and water rights in the state of Colorado. Oh, aha. Uh-huh. So after college, I worked with Dad for 20-odd years mm-hmm. and learned quite a little about water and the development well, I guess of water so, because in Colorado. I guess so, Colorado is the port of water to a lot of states. It, it's basically yeah, the upper basin state 
and or an upper basin state, and it supplies uh, essentially the majority of the majority of the western United States with water. Well, you mean not Oregon, of course, but not down Oregon, in, uh, but California, California, Arizona, Arizona, probably Nevada, Nevada, New Mexico, New Mexico, Utah. See, a lot of people do not know that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and and water. As I note in my book, without water, life as we know it cannot exist. And that's, that is, that's that is what this show is all about. Mm-hmm. We, um, I noted, um, I just caught a, <clears throat> a little bit of Ron Duncan's talk about catchments and the idea of collecting runoff. Mm-hmm. Um and he had a very interesting and very valid point, which, you know, in the western United States, because of the water rights scenario, in a lot of places, you can't essentially capture water off roofs. You can't capture water from streets and runoff because... Now, I'm going to stop you for a minute, Court Young. Um, when I, and I knew you wanted me to call you Court Young, so I want the sure. audience to know that's just, um, his name. Just make it Court. That works Okay. I wanted to mention to you uh, or ask something real quickly. Sure. What are you telling me? I've been studying water for 30 years. They're, they cannot legally or they're not allowed or whatever, they cannot collect the water and off the roof? In a lot of western states you can't because essentially you're depriving a senior water right holder downstream of their right to use water. Essentially in the western U.S., now that is an upper creek or an upper river, or we're talking about a roof. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. But, <laughs> oh but, my uh, goodness gracious! Without water, um, essentially, water rights derived from first in time, first in use, essentially. First in time and first in use. The concept of the person that started or the entity that started using water first essentially had the right to continue to use that water uh, for as long as it was physically available. Now, let's say, for example, uh, and I'm going to come through, I know I get, I get a little concerned about what is happening out there in what's called the law library. Mm-hmm. And uh, the government running that library mm-hmm. is all of a sudden I'm finding out, and I did not know this, I had not learned that if you have a runoff of your roof and you want to have a barrel below there and start collecting that water to use the water and recycle the water for your benefit of what you may need it for, there are states or cities that legally you cannot do that. In Colorado, that was illegal for until, until very recently, actually. A little, just a little background to that. Okay. That might that might help. Water is divided into three components. There's the physical supply, which is what's in the streams, creeks, rivers, lakes, etc. The the actual physical water, and then there's the legal supply, which is what you're legally entitled to take. In the eastern United States, where water is very plentiful. Uh, the legal supply isn't as critical. But in the western United States and in areas around the world where there's, you know, where it's very arid, then the legal right to take water 
can become and is as important often as having the physical supply. So now you told us there were three, physical, legal, and what was the third one? The third one is multiple use. Essentially, water is used multiple times for multiple different things. Water is not necessarily, as far as I'm personally concerned, a renewable resource. It's a reusable resource. And we use it many, many times mm-hmm. um, as it goes you know, downstream. Many different cities use essentially the same streams, the same water supply. Um, so it's, it's used for many things uh, and in many different ways. And those are those are essentially the three components to to water, mm-hmm. to the supply, to use and supply. To to the use and supply. Yeah. For example, in a recent drought in Colorado, and we've had droughts since 2003, on and off. Actually, we've had droughts for a long time, but the most recent droughts has been 2003 and above. Mm-hmm. If you were a rancher, for example, in southern Colorado on one of our major rivers and had the right to use water first in line. So you had the number one legal right on the stream, and that stream was dry. It didn't matter what legal rights you had. You, you, you had there was no physical supply to use, even though you had the legal right to use all you could take and that's that's a that's a very complex issue that happens um, in now, for example, in the Colorado River, yeah, basically. in other in countries of the world, and as in you other know countries. in Yemen that for sure. hundreds of years there's been a uh, wars going on because of what you just said. Absolutely. And, and over you know, in Iraq and different Iraq countries is, of the world, yeah. that's, they became deserts. For what, now, I want to ask you, and what is your theory on the desert conditions of other parts of our world? Because they used to have a lot of water. They weren't always a desert. Well, as a, as a geologist, um, I did a lot of studying of geography as well. But, you know, climates are continually changing. The Earth is a very dynamic place. And it's been going on since the and beginning it's been going of the on, moment. Yes. You know, forever. Right. And so I don't know what role man necessarily plays or doesn't play in that, that issue, but climates and deserts are shifting and changing. Mm-hmm. And if water was evenly distributed around the world, the freshwater supply, this is only one to three percent of the of the water on earth is fresh water that's right, and only one percent usable correct and it but even if that one percent was evenly distributed, we wouldn't have a problem with water, but it so happens that many of the places that we choose to live in this world are areas where water is not as plentiful as other areas. And that's, you know, those are choices we make. But well, way back in time, it's fascinating how all the animals mm-hmm. made their nests near the water. Sure. Life of humans made their nesting home near the water. 
And all of a sudden, we went to what's called uh, ranches and farms out away from the cities and subdivisions and more, where the water eventually had to be taken to them. Right. And I think I think ultimately what you're going to see in the western US in particular as as probably in the rest of the world in in arid regions you're going to see a lot more water transmission lines essentially you're going to see a lot more water pipelines there's been a lot of discussion about transporting water from say the seacoast where they can basically use some of the desalinization process which is to transport so water you know, inland. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of issues that the next generation is, is mm-hmm. going to face. And when you say the word generations to come, court, all I can think of is how expensive everything is going to be. You're right. Beyond all imagination, expensive. Now, you mentioned here uh, diminishing water and oil supplies. Tell us what is your feeling, uh, what have you been learning with the oil supplies that are diminishing? Well, in looking at, for example, the most recent um, issue in the Gulf where BP has essentially what, what I consider to be somewhat of a runaway oil well, again, as a geologist, you know, we need oil, there's no doubt. Oil is, as far as I'm personally concerned, a diminishing resource as well, just like water is, essentially. Well, you may have heard me with Ron Duncan mention that what would you do if you came to a gas station and said, and they said, I'm sorry, our rationing's over today, and you still right. had to get home on an empty tank. Right. If you went to the airport and you had a very important uh, flight, and they said, I'm sorry, but our rationing of what is done today, we didn't realize some, we had so little available, and you had to go home. And those issues are coming. Uh, again, that's, those are the kinds of things that I think we're leaving for the next generation. But the young people of today are going to have to look at both water and oil um, and energy in general. Yeah, I'm glad you used the word energy because that's what Ron Duncan and I were talking about. And, and from what I'm understanding, he's very correct. We need to use the the most recent BP, BP spill, for example, to start talking about the energy issues as well as the environmental issues. For example, one of the issues I read about very recently in an article was Tampa, St. Petersburg, Florida, have a fairly large desalinization plant. They obviously get the the intakes for that desalinization plant are out in the Gulf. And nobody was completely sure what the oil plume would do to the intakes of that desol plant. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I don't think anybody has ever thought about it. Have you noticed that the news media hasn't once given a one moment of that description? They haven't talked about that. And in Tampa, St. Pete, for Wait, example. And, and, and did you notice what I just said? Because we're part of this news media I, world. I but did. that's why this show is so important to get the education out there is just – 
if, if you have a desalination plant and it's in the ocean and there should be a nature's tragedy, you'll be cut off if that's if you're depending too much on that. Well, yeah, and that's you know that's a very large conflict between fresh water um, and essentially natural resources. There are any number of small towns along mm-hmm. the Gulf Coast down mm-hmm. there that use the intercoastal waterways, the fresh water supplies out of the intercoastal waterways, as well as wells and other sources of supply. If the oil reaches those areas, what are a lot of those small towns and communities going to do? Effect, and it could happen. We're out of time, and I'd like to have you on again because this is this this is what this show is all about. Is what we've been discussing today, all of us, is the future of our future and bringing the word eternity back to water. Absolutely. But I want to thank you for joining us, and well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I noticed that your uh, website is www.sweet10. No, actually, actually, it's www.hcourtyoung.com. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for joining us, and well, you have a very nice day, and I hope to have I you on again. It. Yes, I hope thank so you. too. Bye. Thank you. Did we learn? You, we learned. You know, when you're learning from the show, the power of water, Earth's human mission, and uh, and health. And without what we discussed today, there is no health. Uh, the blade of grass, the trees, the limbs, the, the leaves. And when you're driving along today and tomorrow and for the future, take a look at the mountain, take a look at the hill, take a look at the sand, take a look at uh, the plant, at your vegetables, at your grow, your, what you need to eat and what you need to have, 8 to 10 glasses of water a day and what the energy of our earth is. The energy is the water. So the show that we have here with all of us that are on and those of you that are listening, I'm hoping you're telling your friends, your family, and to listen because we can all join together to ship, to have the story told to the world that we're going to leave our footprints on leaving behind the, the life of the water and what we can discover to save lives and our Earth, planet Earth. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. But Earth is whispering. It's whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. Do something special. Leave, leave it behind for eternity. Leave water behind. Leave the lives behind. Be healthier. That is Earth's human mission. I think that was the higher plan. I want to thank you for listening. You have a nice day and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 